Hi, everybody. Welcome to our uh, clinical case example on uh, bradycardias. Um, for those listening on the podcast, there is an ECG involved in this scenario. So when you get the opportunity, just log on to have a look. So the scenario is that a 43-year-old male attends the ED department complaining of a loss of consciousness. Please talk through how you would go about assessing the patient. Um, so first thing, if a gentleman's come in, um, elderly gentleman's come in with a loss of consciousness, then the first thing I'd do would be to make sure that he's hemodynamically stable and safe um, and move him to the appropriate place if needed, i.e. resus. Um, and before starting, I'd like to ask the nurse if we can do an ECG to make sure to see if we've uh, got, high, got a high degree of worrying AV block that needs urgent, um, urgent intervention. Um, then in the history, I would be taking a history really to understand whether this is cardiac syncope, reflex syncope, or orthostatic uh, hypotension causing syncope. Um, so I'd want to get an understanding for the preceding events, specifically whether there are any preceding cardiac symptoms, um, such as chest pain, palpitations, uh, shortness of breath. And understanding what happened during the event itself. And here I'd like to um, uh, understand if the, how, if the patient definitely lost consciousness, what he, he last remembers about the event, and if they're, importantly, if there are any witnesses and what they saw. Um, it'd be important to know whether they saw any seizure activity uh, or any urine, urinary incontinence, which might point me back towards more neurological causes, whether this might be seizure activity. Um, and then finally, I'd like to ask the patient whether he had any post-ictal um, post symptoms, um, so whether he was completely lucid once he regained consciousness or whether he, he slowly regained consciousness. Uh, and using this and the preceding symptoms and the warning signs, this would give me a better understanding of what type of syncope this represents. Um, then I take more global history, trying to understand the patient's comorbidities, and specifically trying to understand uh, whether they've had these symptoms before, and whether they result in again true loss of consciousness or um, pre-syncopal symptoms, um, and then understanding other comorbidities, how it's affecting their day-to-day -day life, and trying to understand their social history, so whether they're who they're, who they're living at home with, whether they're safe doing their day-to-day day-to-day activities, and Importantly, trying to understand if the patient still drives uh, because we need to give him driving advice uh, if he has a true syncope today. Um, other things important to look at are drug history, whether there's only drugs that could um, contribute to syncope symptoms uh, such as diuretics or uh, resoprolol, um, understanding with uh, social histories, uh, other things in the social history as well, um, and any family history of sudden cardiac death that's less relevant than the age of 73. Um, then the examination, we really Homely on trying to elucidate any causes um, of his syncope. So uh, I would assess him in an A to E fashion and, if appropriate, do a neuro neurological examination. I'll do a brief respiratory examination, looking for signs of heart failure uh, and fluid overload, and listen to the precord improper to see if there's any signs of hokum uh, or aortic stenosis, sort of structural heart disease that could be causing his symptoms. Um, then I'd assess them with uh, some bedside tests. So as mentioned, a 12 lead ECG, see if there's anything on uh, any inflammatory that you may have been on uh, in A&E uh, and also 
doing simple things, so blood glucose, uh, I think looking at VBG immediately to look, see if there's any obvious electrolyte abnormalities and sending up a full panel of blood, uh, including uh, in, including um, electrolytes, and if appropriate, uh, a troponin from worried about ischemia as a potential cause for syncope today. Um, and then finally, a bedside echo to get an understanding of baseline cardiac status and a chest and a chest x-ray. Okay, thank you. Um, so the patient's stable, uh, but still reports feeling a little bit lightheaded. Here is his ECG. Please, could you describe to me the ECG and how you'd go about managing this patient? Okay. So this is an ECG showing complete heart block at a rate of 30 beats per minute uh, with a fairly broad ventricular escape. So broad ventricular escape at a rate of 30 beats per minute and complete heart block. There's no obvious important negatives. Are there's no obvious signs of any uh, ischemia. So uh, certainly no inferior, um, inferior ischemia, which could have caused this complete heart block. But I'd still keep an open mind with regards to this. Um, given he's got complete heart block with a um, an escape rhythm that's not entirely safe, I'd start off by treating him in, uh, in A&E, so moving him to a place of safety uh, and um, starting uh, treatment, which would be atropine in the first instance, uh, and then considering starting an isoprenal infusion to see if we can increase his ventricular rate, and that would help him, hopefully help improve his symptoms. Then once I've started that, I would think about um, calling my consultant but to let him know that we had a patient with complete heart block um, and who had just started on isoprenaline, so they're aware. Um, because if the isoprenaline uh, doesn't work or the patient deteriorates, there may be a need to think about further intervention, which would take the form of either transcutaneous or more likely transvenous pacing uh, with a form of temporary pacing wire or if uh, the team was available um, and appropriate, we could think of permanent pacemaker insertion. Okay, uh, so this patient is admitted to the CCU and that they're, paced, uh, they're, they're placed on an isoprenal infusion overnight. Talk me through the indications where you would need to escalate the care to, for example, a temporary pacing wire. So I think that if the the indications for escalating to a temporary pacing wire overnight in someone with complete heart block is um, cardiogenic shock, um, decompensated heart failure, um, recurrent episodes of uh, syncope uh, or, relative, or relatively frequent episodes of pre-syncope, um, all of which are refractory to his current treatment. So refractory to increasing nice spread and infusion rate. Um, and especially if he's having very significant pauses, I would definitely call my consultant to discuss whether we should think about a temporary pacing wire overnight. Okay, um, so talk me through what would be involved actually with inserting a temporary pacing wire. So a temporary pacing wire, you, <coughs> uh, you can either do it through the, you have to access the venous circulation, so you can either do it through the jugular, jugular vein or through the femoral vein. More often than not, it's done through the femoral vein. Um, so you access the femoral vein, place a catheter uh, inside the femoral vein um, and then wires up to the heart. Um, and then you normally, if you're using a balloon tip, um, a balloon tip pacing wire, you inflate the balloon when it's in the right atrium 
um, so in the right atrium, which is across the tricuspid valve. Uh, and then it, you see that you've got ventricular capture um, by attaching the leads on the outside uh, to a pacing box. And then see that you've got, initially you've got capture and the capture is regular and not, you're not losing it, so it's an appropriate position. Um, and once that's the case, you mark the position where the wires are, how far out of the, um, how many centimeters outside of the femoral uh, cath they are, and then mark that position and then suture the uh, suture the wires down at that position very very well, um, and that's important. And if the wires move overnight, you know exactly how many centimeters they were at and whether they've moved overnight. Um, and yes, yeah, temporary system, so it's not designed. Uh, be clear that it's not designed to be in for uh, more than twenty four to forty eight hours um, uh, maximum. Um, and yeah, that's the general procedure. Uh, thank you. That ends the scenario. Thank you.